the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. And we are back on the Monday edition of Lifeline. Let's see here. Let's go to uh, line number two and uh, line number three and talk with Mark in San Jose. Mark, are you there? Step forward. What's going on? Uh, We pass here. Mark, are you there? All right, let's go to line number two and talk with Caroline in Oakland. Line number two and Caroline in Oakland. I have a couple of questions for you. Hi, from what? How are you? Huh? I'm fine. How are you? How are you? I'm blessed. Good. What's going on? What's your thoughts? Caroline? Do we lose Caroline? Hello? Hello, Caroline. Can you hear me? Yes. Okay. What's going on? What's your thoughts? I have a couple of questions for you. Yes, From what, what you know you about it? Donald Trump, do you think he mm-hmm. is a Christian? And um, do you think okay, do you think he would be a good president for the next four years? Why or why not? So, like the que- the, re- the, re- the the question as to whether or not he's a Christian is actually n- not really necessary to try to question. Obviously, if you're if you and I are reverent in terms of our um, understanding that we can't really judge and determine a person's heart. We, we really don't want to go there. What we can say, and I'm sure you know this, is that every believer in the Bible, from, uh, from Adam all the way to you and me, uh, have proven themselves to demonstrate fruits of righteousness uh, that affirm their, their being really, truly believers, but at the same time, They've also had very human weaknesses, flaws, and sinfulness that might even cause some of us to want to question that, such as King David, King Solomon, and others. You know that. They've had their problems, and they were leaders. So we want to be very, uh, uh, we want to be very reverent about making that assumption. It really doesn't matter because he's been in four years now, and if we were, all, if we were to look at his platform, uh, Caroline, we would see that he's done some remarkable things in terms of helping the black community and helping people in prison and particularly helping Christians uh, be uh, delivered from captivity from different uh, communist countries. And so I I am not at all opposed to Donald Trump having a second term. As controversial as his person is, he uh, he, he does not strike me as someone that wants to destroy our nation, tear it down, and bring it into some of this wickedness that's, that's beginning to emerge in our country with regards to uh, uh, 
the godlessness that I'm seeing happening on the on the left. So, I, I, you know, it would not bother me if Donald Trump uh, regains the uh, regains the White House in November. He he would bother me. Now, what was your second question? Uh, was that around whether or not he would do us some good? I hope so. Yeah. I really do. I hope. I I hope so. Here's the problem with with Donald Trump, uh, the president, uh, Donald Trump, Caroline. Uh, he represents such a uh, flashpoint of uh, hostility for the left that they don't even know how to behave themselves with him being in the White House. <clears throat> I mean. Uh, I mean, everything is being blamed on him by them, and that's irrational. You, you can't blame everything on the devil. I mean, even the Bible would tell us, stop blaming everybody for your problems. That can't be the way we address somebody that we don't like. I tell people all the time, remember, whoever the president is, he is really only liked by 50% plus of the Americans. Only 51% of the people in America who vote need to uh, vote to get him in. So whether it's Obama or whether it's Clinton or whether it's Trump or whether it's Biden, if Biden was to get in, he'd only get in by 51% of the people. What that would mean is the other 49% of the people didn't vote for him, and it's a good possibility that the other 49% of the people don't like him. But what I would say about Christians, and this is what I want to say to you and everybody else that's out there, when Donald Trump becomes president again, he will be your president again. And this is for biblical Christians. My problem is with perfecting Christians who are not biblical. Your Bible tells you and tells me to pray for those who are in leadership, to ask God to help them to be the best they can and do the best they can for our, uh, for our people. That's the posture of the church. The posture of the church is not to uh, so speak about the president as if somehow they uh, they are wiser than God and that somehow God was out of control when God allowed that man to take that position. Our job as believers is to pray for whom we would like to be in, but whomever God allows to be in. For instance, come the day after November 12th or 13th, whatever it is, Caroline, Whoever gets in, I'm praying for. Whoever becomes president, I'm praying for. That person becomes my president. I don't care how, how diabolical or how contrary their policies or their person is to who I am. I'm a biblical-based believer. My uh, convictions are rooted in the Word of God. I don't get to play politics and hate on the president and hate on uh, on, on, on people who are in politics. I've got to pray for them at that point because God is still on the throne and he runs the world. And therefore, for believers, we've got to work with God allows to happen to us in terms of his providence and in terms of his care. God's still on the throne. Does that make sense? Yes, it does. Is yes, there it does. Thank you. I bless you, my sister. Thanks, thanks for the call. Let me see here. Who else we got on the line? Pull somebody up for me, Nate. Anybody else? Hello? Hello. Mark, you're in a bad place, man. I can't hear you. Okay, is that better right now? Yeah, that's a whole lot better. What's your thoughts? Okay. 
Well, one of the callers mentioned that the uh, CDC admits that only 4% actually died of COVID, and this is one great reason why we should all take our masks off. I refuse to wear my mask uh, wherever I go. I either get kicked out or they do business with me. And uh, it's very important for us to stop this lie uh, that the Democrats are spreading to destroy America. Now, I go to Calvary Chapel now in San Jose, and we got slapped a $5,000 fine from the so-called health department. And so I've spent a lot of time calling the supervisors, Governor Gavin Newsom, the senators, and the assemblymen and all, because uh, it's so important that we don't pay the fine, for one thing, if we get slapped this fine, and then that we try to get these people to help us. Because we know in Romans 13 that God establishes authorities to punish evildoers and that you have no fear of the ruler if you do right and uh you know we really need to pray pray about this and refuse to wear the mask so pray for calvary pray for your church church and i'm i tell people hey mark 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 Mark, stop so i'm going to ask you what is the correlation between the four percent that we know and it probably is even lower than that of people who actually died from COVID uh, as opposed to dying from something else with COVID being an assistant, uh, there just have to be, you know, part of their diagnosis. Uh, what is the correlation with that and wearing masks? There is no, there is no correlation. <clears throat> we can wear masks. If people choose to wear masks, they wear masks. Don't tell them not to wear masks. There's no correlation between the two. COVID is real. COVID is, is, is a real uh, symptom that we have to deal with. And if people want to wear the mask, let them wear a mask. And the people that don't want to wear the mask, let them be free not to wear the mask. Why are we fighting over that? Well, I believe it's a hoax. That's what I believe. It's a hoax, hoax, hoax. It's a lie, lie, lie. And hardly anyone has ever died because these doctors are being pressured to say that somebody that died from a heart attack died from COVID. And, uh, well, no, he died from a heart attack. He didn't die from COVID. Even if they were murdered, they pressured these doctors to add him to the COVID list. That shows the figure could be one set of what they're telling us, Jesse. Yeah, Literally, no, that's I agree. Enough, but it's like uh, 170,000, right? So, yeah, no, I, I agree with that. I agree with that. I agree with that assessment. I doubt very seriously if we will ever get the real facts behind it, because behind it, as you know, is major scandal in terms of hospital policy, 30,000 for people off the ventilator, 33,000 for people on the ventilator. It's a money-making machine. But what I'm asking you, who was it that was fined $5,000? What's that? Uh, This is not a good connection. Yeah, who was it that was fined $5,000? our, our church, Calvary Chapel in uh, San Jose on Hillsdale and uh, uh, Hillsdale and Almaden Expressway. Come on out, folks. If your church uh, doesn't have the courage to meet, come on out to our church. $5,000, the health department uh, slapped us with this because we don't wear the masks. Man, you guys should have just wore the mask, man. You still no. worship. No, because we help propagate the lie if we wear the mask. They don't work. You're true. breathing your own carbon dioxide. And uh, with all due respect, and I do respect you, I know you're a man of God, okay? I just 
disagree with you on this point. You know, I really do. Well, well, I'm I'm hoping that you're right. I I really am hoping that you're right at the end of the day, but we're not being scientific about it right now. We're being preferential, and that would be my concern. But, man, I I hope that we win that battle because, look, that $5,000 is ridiculous. That fine is, is ridiculous. But it's going to be a long time before we discover whether or not I don't even know if we're going to ever discover markets. This is a hoax. I, I really don't know, but this is the way the, the government makes money. It will find you first, take money from you, and then maybe admit guilt 20 years later. So it's a big battle. we got to fight it. we got to fight it. Got to keep fighting it on a lot of different fronts. Listen, i got to take a break and pay some bills. Thanks for the call. I think mean, i got a couple lines open, two or three, four lines open. Y'all give me a call. Let's finish up the program talking about substantive matters on the Monday edition of Lifeline, one 888 I'll be right back. We are back. The time is 623. All the lines are open. If you want to call in and talk about what we're talking about or if you have a question like Caroline did, um, I'd be glad to field your question, one 367 one to uh, join me in a conversation here on the Monday edition of Lifeline. All the issues that we are talking about, COVID, uh, uh, politics, the DNC, RNC, uh, are all very germane and relevant issues because we've kind of been encompassed by it. Uh, by virtue of uh, um, a politically centered uh, world. And I stated in my opening address that the Christian uh, will not be able to stick his head in the sand or her head in the sand if you live in this world in any kind of practical, vital way. Let's say you are working uh, for uh, the school system. That's an easy mark. I should give you something else. But you already know that the school system it's set up to introduce uh, transgender policies that are so deeply invasive in the lives of your kids that it is fundamentally an intolerable situation for most parents. The idea that you would not see the immorality of denying our genetic, biological, binary, sexual gender distinction and, and have to speak to it uh, because it now has taken on a political uh, 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 posture and expression is completely irrational. Uh, in fact, that's exactly what, what government uh, desires to do. Politics will take moral issues. It will put it on a political platform called civil rights and, and then make it an issue where the church should not talk about it. This is called incrementalism, and it's been going on in our world, particularly in America, for at least the last 70 or 80 years since the sexual revolution. For instance, um, the issue of marriage used to be uh, an assumption given that a man and a woman uh, constitutes uh, the legitimate, historic, traditional, ubiquitous, worldwide uh, grounds for marriage. It is affirmed by the biblical principles of Genesis 2, 
Matthew chapter 19, Mark chapter 9, uh, and clearly laid out as a paradigm of Christ in the church. Christ did not marry a male, and neither is the head of the church a female married to a female. That, that model of, uh, of homosexuality entering into the ranks of marriage becomes a theological and a moral and spiritual issue to which the church had to address it. It was uh, Dr. Albert Moeller who made it very clear in his book called The Coming Storm, the incremental patterns of this uh, system of government that is human-centered, humanism, man-centered, and hostile to God, constantly, incrementally taking the space of sacred principles by which our world is governed. So it moved from uh, marriage, <clears throat> then it moved on into the, uh, the, the, the world of, of gender now. It's moving into gender. We had uh, a critical feminist theory that moved in and destroyed the uh, biblical model of a relationship between a man and a woman on a complementarian level, a complementarian level. So the sexes are at war and fighting, and the feminist uh, critical theory was really the, the big fire that has driven men out of positions of power, uh, positions of divinely ordained power, and now they're going after the children. That is exactly the stated agenda of the Black Lives Matter mission statement to destroy the cisgender heterosexual patriarchal model of marriage, destroy it. The goal is to get rid of the male. It's explicit. That's Marxist, neo-Marxist agenda. If you know anything about the Marxist agenda that's been going on since the sexual revolution. Now that the world has collapsed into an unbiblical definition of marriage, now they're going after what? The children. This is what the whole idea of the transgender ideology permeating the kids, telling them that they can determine what their own sexuality is, their own gender is, and as it is in Canada and a few other parts of the world, parents will not be able to tell their kids who they are according to the Word of God and what they are according to the Word of God, or else they will be fined, penalized. They will even suffer the children being taken away from them or go to jail. This is where we're headed, and it is the fundamental goal of the Marxist agenda because Marx, Karl Marx, when you do the bio, biographical on him, his whole battle was against God. He sold his soul to the devil. He explicitly stated that, and the devil gave him a sword. And that sword has shown up in political governments around the world and is here in America working through your socialist, Fabian socialist uh, movements, your Gramscian socialist movements, that is, it works intrinsically in colleges, in universities, which are elite, developing policies to destroy a biblical worldview, and uh, the leaven has almost leavened the whole lump, meaning that we are virtually everywhere confronted with this new normal, and, uh, and, and, and men and women are not equipped to balance. And what's even more shameful not only are Christians not equipped to balance on a propositional level, on an ideological level, on a level of education and conviction, they're not willing to deal with it on a moral and spiritual level. You do not hear or see at large in your churches 
a discernment factor that allows them to recognize all of these encroachments and how critical it is for them to speak up, to speak at, and to speak out against the trajectory of this Trojan horse that has now opened its lid and let out all of the nefarious policies that have now leavened the whole lump. And we are almost at a stage of irreversible humanism that will ultimately move us out of the the transgender period. We're going to have a transgender period, you guys, just like we had a homosexual thing. You notice the homosexual thing is almost passe now? You don't hardly even hear it anymore. Why? Because they're going after the kids. And after the children, we're moving into what is called a post-gender culture. Why? Because this was never about gender in the first place. The goal is to get rid of any kind of vestige of humanity being created in the Imago day. No more God, man, man, God. No more we are created in the image of God. We are uh, bearers of God's attributes, his moral and ethical attributes, his spiritual qualities. No, the goal of this godless Marxist system is to completely annihilate anything about God. That's why in your Democratic Party, they have completely eradicated in God we trust because the biblical God, the Christian God, the Judeo-Christian framework of God is supposed to be white. And by the way, that's the whole uh, pseudo-agenda of uh, of turning turning this whole thing into a systemic racist argument. Because this is really not about race. This is about God. And those of you who are blinded to this reality, you will suffer the consequences of your willing blindness. This is so very clear that this is a spiritual battle against the glory of God and against the true image of God, even down to the level of children in the womb being killed by the thousands every day. 990 plus Black babies are dying from abortions every day. That's 365,000 black babies killed every year here in America because we are blinded to the moral, ethical, spiritual continuity of an argument that needs to be uh, 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 waged against this diabolical false narrative that people are perpetrating as being sympathetic and empathetically concerned about the plight of, of black people. It's a farce. This is the Monday edition of Lifeline. I think I've got some lines open. one 367 one I'd love to hear from you. I'll be right back. We are back. The time is 630, and we'd love to have you give us a call. 638, so we only got about a uh, about 20 minutes if you want to chat with me, one 367 one I'm looking at a proverb that came to mind when I think about what's going on in our world and how uh, men and women in America have turned their ears from God. Listen to this, Proverbs 28, verse 9 and verse 10. He that turneth away his ear from hearing the law, that's God's word, even his prayer shall be an abomination. Solomon said, he that turneth away his ear from hearing the law, even his prayer shall be an abomination. What that means, ladies and gentlemen, is that there are a lot of people's prayers not being heard by God. Not only not being heard, 
they are detestable to God because they turn their ear away from God's Word. Now, the question I would ask you is, is that you? Are you such a one as turn your ears away from God's Word when someone explains to you what the Word of God has to say about all these matters that are going on? Do you stick your head in the sand and pretend that there is no biblical prism, no biblical framework, no biblical litmus test, no biblical standard by which to determine your aligning yourself with people and parties and events is to be challenged. Do you really think that you can employ uh, or facilitate or get involved with activities and matters and events? for which the Word of God explicitly challenges and opposes, yea, even warns, and it's going to go well with you. Do you really believe that? Tomorrow I'm going to be teaching on um, the subject of the promises of God in Revelation chapter 2 and 3, the seven churches. There are multiple very pertinent and powerful promises that Christ makes to the churches in Asia Minor in chapters 2 and 3. But those promises, which are massive blessings to the people of God, are predicated upon a predisposition on the part of the people of God, for which he says, he that overcometh will I give, will I do, will I preserve, will I protect. The promises of God are always to the overcomer. And what I'm going to be teaching tomorrow is what the biblical nature of a true overcomer is. Now, an individual who knows what God's Word says, but does not submit to biblical truth as the grounds of your identity, biblical truth as the grounds of your morality, biblical truth as the grounds of your ethic, as the ground of your calling, as the ground of your mission, you are not an overcomer. The person that does not walk in biblical truth as laid out clearly by God, revealed in Christ, and communicated to the people of God in the Gospels and in the Epistles as the uh, mode of uh, relationship by which we reveal to the world, by our message and by our conduct, what matters to God. The people who don't do that will not have their prayers heard. Quite frankly, you may not even be a believer. So you, you, you really do want to join in tomorrow night, 630 uh, Grace Bible Church in Hayward. You can join us live, uh, join us uh, uh, online, live stream, and, uh, and and hear as I explain to us what it means to be an overcomer. In every generation of Christian history, the overcomer is the man and woman who are not a part of the majority. The overcomers in Christ are never part of the majority. They're never part of the consensus of everybody who has the same opinion. I don't know why Christians don't get that. Why do you think all of a sudden, when a massive movement comes in with its own agenda thinking to solve a problem by a methodology that has historically proven never to solve the problem, and then coming in with a specious argument to boo, <clears throat> why do you think you as a believer can join that movement over against what the Word of God says to do, prove all things, hold fast to that which is good. Why do you think your joining that movement will be approved by God? It won't. It won't. The believer always stands over against the trajectory and trends of the world to let the world know 
that you are not to lean on your own understanding. You are not to go in your own way. You are not to turn your ear from hearing the law of God. You are not to abandon biblical principles to engage in human methods of trying to solve problems. You've heard what James chapter 1, verse 20 says, the wrath of man never <clears throat> works the righteousness of God. <clears throat> Excuse me. The wrath of man never produces the righteousness of God. Please hear me now. You might feel emotionally fired up. You might feel angered. You might feel mad and, and upset and, uh, and perturbed about everything that's going on that you think and perceive is really what's going on. But you still don't get to be an angry political man over against a pious spiritual man. As a child of God, you have to operate according to God's rules and according to God's method if you want to have God's outcome. The fruits of righteousness are sown in peace to them that want to make peace. Mark has never, ever wanted to make peace. And if you listen carefully to the people in Black Lives Matter, they don't want peace. They want power. Now, that is diabolical and clear from Genesis to Revelation, who's talking there. If you call yourself a Christian and you're aligned with the entity that wants power and not peace, then you're not, you're not operating out of a biblical model, and you cannot expect God to bless you. In fact, he won't. He will let you be, be deceived. He will let you be trapped by a false narrative. He will let you suffer the consequences of the lust of your flesh. He will allow you to be deceived. He will allow you to perish, too, if you're not his. If you're not his, because, as the Bible says, he that believeth in the Son of God has overcome the world. And what is it that overcomes the world? Is it not this, even our faith? God has a method and a, and a means by which he solves the crisis of this world. And it's not tearing up stuff and burning up stuff and, and creating mayhem. That's never the biblical model. You have never seen Christ in a political protest. You have never seen the apostles in a political protest. You have never seen the prophets in a political protest. They've always spoken to leadership about the moral ethical, spiritual standards of the one God by whom we all live, move, and have our beings. That policy was understood by Martin Luther King, and his method is not what is being used today. That's very clear. The whole movement has departed from King's method of dealing with things on a peaceful level because all it wants is power. That's all it wants, power. Let me take a break, and then we'll come back with our last, last segment on the Monday edition of Lifeline. We'll be right back. All right, we're back. The time is uh, nine, 6.50 on this Monday edition of Lifeline. Only got 10 minutes to go, so I'll be glad to actually uh, take up our meditation and continue to, to bring you into some biblical considerations. I'm being very pastoral now because uh, this is a very operable time to do that. I... Um, I remember growing up, and one of the challenges that I had as a young man was being tempted by my peers to fall into practices that were not good. And what those kind of temptations do, 
is they prove to you how weak your heart is when it comes to standing on what you and I know is right. And there are a couple of Proverbs, again, that we want to keep in mind. Remember, I shared with you in Proverbs chapter 28, verse 9, and you want to meditate on that. The man or the woman are the people that turn away their ears from hearing the law. Even his prayer shall be an abomination to the Lord. Now listen to verse 10. The individual are the people that causes the righteous to go astray in an evil way. He himself will fall into his own pit, but the upright shall have good things in possession. If you are a part of a movement that's causing people to go astray, you are going to fall into a pit. God guarantees it. Now, here's another proverb. This is Proverbs 22. Listen to this now. Proverbs 22:24. Do not make friendship with an angry person, with an angry man, with an angry mob, with an angry people. Listen to what God says. Do not make friendship with an angry man and with a furious person. Do not go. Do not go. Let you learn his ways, their ways, and get a snare to your soul. Listen to what he's saying. Don't go with the angry. Don't go with the furious. Let you learn their ways and get a snare to your soul. How often and how frequently have men and women out of a weakness of character, out of a failure to have an interest in their own welfare, will compromise their walk with God and do something with somebody that's wrong. How weak we are in our faith, if we have any, to be tempted to get involved in something where God has explicitly said, I'm not in that. I don't do that. That's not the way I work. I'm not going to get glory out of it. I'm not going to get honor out of it. Men and women are not going to be saved. They're not going to be converted. They're not going to be brought to repentance. They're not going to see their sins because the gospel is not being preached in that context. The only thing that's being preached in that context is the wrath of man, James chapter 1, verse 20. And so listen to another one. This is very apropos, Proverbs 29, 22. An angry man stirs up strife. An angry man stirs up strife. And a furious man abounds in transgression. Notice what God says here. The angry stir up strife. How do you know they're angry? They're mad at everything. They got a fault with everybody. They got an argument with everybody, a contention with everybody. Angry, mad, hostile. They never see their own sin. They never see their own fault. It's always someone else's fault. This is exactly the opposite of the God-glorious gospel that comes to us in the person of Christ, telling us, take the beam out of your own eye first. Make sure you're right with God, that you have the clarity of the gospel, the confirmation of the forgiveness of sins, and the confirmation of the Spirit of God in your own life. Make sure you're truly born again and not simply the kind of hypocrite that just wants God's name because it's convenient, but you're not going to obey him. Make sure you know Christ in the pardon of sins, in the grace of God, and then present to men and women Jesus as the answer to the problem. Here he says, the individual who is stirring up strife 
is an angry man or woman, and they are furious, and they are bound in transgression. Now watch how Solomon finishes this out. He says, a man's pride shall bring him low. This kind of path will bring you low. A man's pride will bring you low, but honor shall uphold the humble in spirit. And see, you guys, you guys are clearly aware that these are not the ethics and the morals of, of Christianity or the gospel. Christ didn't walk around proud and, and pompous and threatening and hostile and angry. He, he knew who he was in, Christ, in God. He knew that he was his father's express image, and he had the qualities and attributes, along with the solutions for humanity, that really was rooted in reconciliation, true justice, true reconciliation, true redemption, true salvation, true healing, which only comes through the true gospel, not this social gospel agenda that you are seeing today. It is a distraction. We have replaced the true gospel with a social gospel that is man-centered, it's earthly, it's powerless, it's godless. It will only tear down. And you're seeing the fruits of it now after seven or eight months. Things are just getting worse. More hostility, more anger. Now there's killing going on, and we're getting used to it, aren't we? That's exactly what James meant when he said the... Uh, the wrath of men does not work the righteousness of God. We're not seeing good fruit out of this. There's no good fruit. Uh, the statistics are clear. Uh, uh, there's even more division now between whites and blacks than ever has been. This is not the gospel. Jesus says you shall know them by their fruit. A good tree brings forth good fruit. A bad tree always brings forth bad fruit. Watch out for wolves that come in sheep's clothing. They will have horns like a lamb, but they speak like a dragon. How do you know, Pastor? God's not in it. Christ is not in it. The Bible's not in it. And their whole platform is contrary to the Word of God. This is so clear to the discerning Christian. We are so clear, those of us who are tethered to the Bible, what the Bible teaches. We are not disassociated in some kind of uh, cognitive dissonance. We know what the Word of God says, and we're grounded in the Word of God. And we understand that our mission is to offer men and women the glory of God in Christ. And what's our task? To pray and to preach and to quietly serve, like many of us do, help the homeless help the people that are uh, uh, less fortunate. Those of us who have skill sets in law and in the medical field and in different areas of life, that's how we help. That's what God meant, sprinkle you in the world. And wherever you go, not only are you to help them on a material, physical level without uh, being derelict in your duty, but then you share the gospel with them. You let them know you do what you do because you're a child of the living God, like that lady who got on the platform and said, I know it was God who delivered me, but he used Donald Trump to do it. What a wonderful way to glorify God as a testimony of somebody who was told she'd never get out of prison again. Now, that is the gospel. It's a big difference. And we are in danger of losing the gospel in our nation. It's a real, real, real sad story that you see going on. My prayer is that God will wake us up, that he would uh, be pleased to open the eyes of the blind, 
and that he would quicken the spiritually dead, first in the church and then in the world, that he would help us to overcome having a form of godliness but denying the power thereof. In any event, Lord willing, I'll see you next week. Until then, keep your eyes on Christ.